0: Politically, we are possibly polarized, but patriotically, I'll bet we are surprisingly similar. I hear people yelling, Drain the swamp! Drain the swamp! The problem that needs solving is to drain the swamp! And they're, I mean, they're shouting like some, well, like, well, shouting like some carnival barker in a broken-down traveling circus fair thing. The problem is here... We got alligators on the right, and crocodiles on the left. So what is a by you bound red, white, and blue blood to do? Make your selection from the largest assortment ever gathered together under one roof. So hurry, hurry, hurry before the big show begins. Treat yourself, uh, treat yourself? Brother, am I a salesman? And it's time for another unbuckled bumpy ride with your guide, the star craving lunatic himself. I'm Jim. Let's jump right in again. Welcome to my podcast based on my brand new book, available on Amazon live life lean l-e-a-n it's a year-long guide to gratitude and our daily grind the book that combines some timeless wisdom from a whole lot of the world's wiser people with the reflections reactions and wise cracks of the guide's author me and it guides you the reader through the simplest system for a happy healthy authentic and genuinely grateful everyday experience i urge you to get the book of course i do i wrote it it's either amazon or at my website, amperage.com, A-M-M-P-U-R-A-G-E. But even without it, let's make next week better than last, our next year better than the past, and get started now with today's episode of... As I said, politically, we are possibly polarized, but patriotically, I'll bet we are surprisingly similar. In fact, I'll bet that for most of us, if you put together a list of 10 things that you thought were valuable and important, either to achieve or to contribute, I'll bet most people on either side of that so-called aisle would have seven, eight, sometimes even nine out of those 10 things in common. But there's that comparison and then there's contrast. Well, I'm going to ask you to compare and contrast these two perspectives. They're from two different eras, one new and now, and one of the bygone past. The first, I know it's hard to tell the difference if I'm just being honest. I deserve the chance to show you I'm not part of the problem and you owe it to yourselves. We got so much in common. Musician Tom McDonald. The other. A patriot stays faithful to their nation and its citizens always and to its government when it's proving it deserves it. Writer Mark Twain. So now let's go back to those carnival barkers. You know, the ones that just constantly shouting, it's all about them, it's all about them. Drain the swamp, drain the swamp. Problem that needs solvent is to drain the swamp. Well, problem is, as I said, we got alligators on the right, we got crocodiles on the left. So what is a red, white, and blue blood to do? See, too bad we can't just circle all them critters up on just like one side of the swamp. You know, circle them all up on the same side of the swamp. On our side. No not the other side, on our side. They say keep your friends close and your enemies even closer. And right now, it's too tough to tell friend from enemy. From frenemy. (laughs) I love that term. But what the H-E double hockey sticks is a frenemy anyways. hmm? Online, at least, look it up. And a frenemy is defined as someone that you're friendly with, but is rivalrous or competitive. Well, I can live with that. Because there's nothing wrong with a little friendly competition. It makes us good losers and it makes even better winners. But frenemy is also synonymous with other terms, some not so positive pronouns like traitor, backstabber, betrayer, Benedict Arnold, and (laughs) Quisling. Yeah, you don't want to earn the title of a quisling, It's a bad thing. President Thomas Jefferson is credited with saying, I've never considered a difference of opinions on politics or religion to be justification for abandoning a friend. So, sounds to me like old President TJ valued the whole friend of me thing as well, hmm? But yeah, let's go back to those barkers, back to the Drain the Swamp, Red State Gators, and Drain the Swamp, Blue Crew Crocs. They exist, both sides. I had a conversation recently with a buddy of mine who yeah, recently elected, first time, public service. Thank you, Kevin, are you out there? Thank you very, very much for what you're doing anyways and in the process of having the conversation I just casually used the term elected public official and he bristled he did I felt it I asked him I heard it he goes yeah it's not really you know big on that whole term okay so then I threw out honestly something that I've always thought we should get back to which is elected public servant and he said yeah I like that all right by the way he's not in my district Couldn't vote for him, would have if I could, all right? But elected public servants versus elected public officials. Is it semantics? Hmm, it could help to look at the similarities between historical heroes and patriots who were either Democrat or Republican. It also help to look at the similarities between Democrat politicians and Republican politicians now. Yeah, we could just make this simple. We could just look at the similarities between crocodiles and alligators gators versus crocs in this corner <laughs> well how do you tell an alligator from a crocodile all right dad joke enthusiasts the answer is not that you'll see one later and the other after a while see you later alligator after a while crocodile never mind the most obvious way to discern the two different reptiles from each other you got to stare right down their snouts you got to be brave enough to look at that nose okay uh, alligators obviously have a shorter blunter u-shape you know crocodiles longer slender you know v-shape and as long as you're that close what the hell go ahead take a gander at their chompers when an alligator closes its mouth you're likely to only see the upper teeth crocodiles on their hand they flash you a really toothy grin you get uppers and lowers on that one kind of like grandma's dentures anyways um sorry grandma uh they're top and bottom teeth they kind of overlap they interlace anyways but did you know that alligators and crocodiles as long as we're talking swamp creatures here, have something very similar to us. But it's just different enough that it explains so much. Many of the differences between the two, when it comes to gators and crocs, do center on their heads and mouths. But what about their hearts? Oh, wait, are we talking crocagators or are we talking croc-a-crap political baiters here? Can't quite tell sometimes, can you? Crocs and gators are like us, they have four chambered hearts just like us, but they have one extra additional blood flow pathway we don't. Why? Well, it was always assumed, and that the reason was, it just basically provided for permitted extra oxygenated blood for the lungs or the brains, allow them to stay underwater longer, but science, trust the science, we've all learned that this year, haven't we? Trust the science. Science has found out what it's really for, And what it's really for should scare you above all else. Da da da! It's for their predatory nature. Whether it helps alligators and crocodiles pursue their underwater prey or helps them digest it, that heart special valve, basically it does seem scientifically to give these hunters a leg up on the competition for the purposes of consumption and digestion, not for intelligence and compassion. Once again, are we talking crocs and gators or politics here? Now, I'm not suggesting that we reserve and, 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 and reserve the right to, let's say, reverse engineer this whole process and have the hearts of every rest in peace now deceased politician dissected, you know, like some pickled jar frog in a middle school biology class. But there's got to be a litmus test for us now and for them, still alive, for public officials versus public servants. And I believe, honestly, it can be found not in a biology classroom or even in the halls of high school. It's right there, though, in the middle of the aisle. You and I, we may disagree on many things, but we collectively are the public. We're either being served by a public servant or we're being officiated over by someone who sees himself as a public official. And it's when those that we elect find themselves in the middle of the aisle, working to serve those of us on both sides that we may have just found who we really elected servant or enslaving official you know the kind who serves only those who voted for and lobby for them and ignore those who disagree and what they do they're just positioning themselves as officials officials who decide officials that divide and rather than as duly elected provide for and serve the citizens on both sides, mine and yours. It's hard today. It's hard to distinguish the truly distinguished gentlemen and ladies from the disingenuous. Consider what we all are expected to consume. There's so many headlines out there that just confuse. And maybe that's the reason why. Give you an example of two what I saw as manipulative headlines recently on the same day. First headline, talking about newly elected President Biden here. Biden wants bipartisanship, but will any Republicans work with him? That was one headline, word for word. The next headline, Democrats uncertain about willingness to even work with Republicans after January 6 Congressional Capitol breach. Huh? Because first headline has the Republicans not being willing to work with the democratically elected president. And the other one has the Democrats not willing to work. Come on, people. There have been through time great examples of compromise for the common good. But lately it seems like it's been so far between and so few that they're just long lost in our rear view. What examples? Here's two. 1787, the Great Compromise. When actually writing the Constitution, America's Founding Fathers understood that there was going to be the need for compromise in creating a system of government that was acceptable to 13 diverse states. As the name suggests, the Great Compromise is actually one of the Constitutional Convention's most enduring deals. A little while later, 1860, President Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln's team of rivals elected shortly after the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln... Followed up his, at that time, what was a shocking victory, with another stunner. He appointed William Seward, Salmon Chase, and Edward Bates, the men that he had beat running for president, to his own cabinet. And there was a Democrat from the other side of the aisle that would later join them. Lincoln believed that the people that he represented should not be deprived of America's best thinkers and strongest leaders simply because the president disagreed with them on certain issues. And there are so many, many more. Hell, it used to be just as recently as 20 to 30 years ago when to elected political rivals from opposite sides they would refer to each other as things like, my honorable minded colleague from the other party. Or, like, my well-intended but misinformed counterpart on the other side. Little stab there. But nothing like you hear and read today. Hell, I recently saw a career Republican and a career Democrat who they were in elected office way back then, 23 years ago. They actually hugged each other and complimented each other on their respective performance and behaviors in a hearing. And afterwards, they, because these two had publicly disagreed, two different sides here. When they did this, they were both publicly crucified and ostracized. People calling for them to resign. What? For getting along when you disagree, heaven for freaking bid. Now, those who did the criticism, they weren't just providing honest feedback, they were bellowing out blowback. And they were so selfishly hunting down, taking down, working on consuming for only their official agendas, that we, you and I, we were not being served. But they, well, they were the truly terrifying creatures from the swampy Black Lagoon. And now, more words of wisdom to wow your socks off from the Live Life Lean Guide itself. Entry number 127. Whether you find yourself on the side of the majority, it is time to pause and reflect. Mark Twain. And the guide's point of view on this? Hmm, good perspective. See, to reflect could, maybe should, be to both reflect on your position and to reflect could be to look first upon the person in the mirror looking back at you. So what do you think about this? Using the Live Life Lean Systems point of view, what have you learned recently that's new? What have you earned that wasn't just doled out and handed to you? Where have you added to the world that wasn't just about you? Now be grateful for all of that. Reflect on it respect it, and navigate somewhere next. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying your copy of the Live Life Lean, L-E-A-N guide, enjoying it almost as much as I did creating it. And if you don't have a copy yet, go on over to Amperage.com or Amazon and get started today experiencing the amazing power of knowing every day is literally yours to be grateful about. And you need never feel unfulfilled again. I'm Jim Hall, and until next time, good health God bless and now go get a little dirty learning something new earning what's not given to you adding to this crazy world that we share and navigating your way to something new and next